sleeve here. And here's your cooker. Okay, thank you. All right. I guess everybody can have a seat. Thank you, Asalia, for leading us in that sweet time of worship. Um, it's great to be with you all again on this February Sunday morning. It's feeling pretty nice today. It's good to be out and with you. Um, my wife can't join us today because she had a particularly uh, busy slash stressful shift at work last night that lasted until 12 at County Hospital. She's a nurse there. Um, so my kids are here over playing with Kosumu. Uh, uh, so we're glad to be here with you guys. Um, today's message, as you can see, is called Better Together. And it has to do with uh, why we meet together in the first place as Christians. And what are some of the blessings that God gives to us um, when we meet, uh, especially when we meet in person. And uh, that's a big question for us these days, and obviously we're all here in person. But maybe this is the kind of question that um, we might think about more uh, these days, having, uh, you know, going through two years of pandemic, like, why did we, maybe we didn't ask that question as much before the pandemic uh, hit. We just, that's just what we do. But now it's a real question uh, for us to ask and look at from the perspective of the Bible. So um, uh, we'll get into the message in just a second. I want to pray for us first. And we're gonna, we'll take a few minutes, uh, or we'll take some moments to pray for Ukraine as well, as we should. So let's let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can meet uh, in person here uh, this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, whether we feel um, tired uh, or energized at this moment, we thank you that you are with us and that you are almighty, almighty God. And Father, as we uh, worship you in Christ, believing the gospel, the eternal gospel revealed through the Bible and through your son, the Lord Jesus, and as we recited the Apostles' Creed, we can't help but remember um, the body of Christ uh, worldwide, including brothers and sisters that we may never have met before in Ukraine, but that we hear stories about. And so we ask that you would especially remember them and give them strength and protection and hope and power and love uh, during this time uh, that is just, uh, it's, it's an unimaginable uh, disaster crisis. Um, that we're seeing in the news constantly. We uh, pray for the entire situation as well, uh, for Ukraine as a whole uh, with the invasion by Russia. And uh, we pray um, that you would bring uh, peace and an end uh, to violence and to war. Lord, we pray that um, evil and wickedness would be stopped and that as we've read about in your word many times and we've seen in our own lives your almighty power, to work your own will and to exalt the name of Jesus and to uh, humble nations and kings. Lord, we ask that you would do that again. Um, Father, I pray that you would also give uh, us peace in the midst of this um, um, uh, very unstable uh, situation that um, uh, affects the whole world um, to a lesser extent, um, but still in a way that we can feel. As we turn to your word in the following time, we pray that you would instruct us and teach us through this uh, revealed truth that you've given uh, for us. Uh, give us ears to hear as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, we're going to dive straight into our message for this morning. And um, 
There's a fly. So uh, you guys probably know this as well, but just in, in the Bay Area and, and in America in general, we're sort of uh, somewhat in transition, I guess, uh, related to COVID and all. And there's just been so many things that, uh, that have, have changed or have been rethought. So just for example, for those of us um, who are in the workforce, um, you may have heard of the Great Resignation. All right, so that's basically a way of describing something that happened last year in 2021, the second year of the pandemic, in which record numbers of people quit their jobs. And then there's all this analysis as to like why people like made these changes all at once. And there's uh, other things that happen within the church itself. So people would track, okay, like once the pandemic hit, like what happened to church attendance? And so early on, there was a survey, like during the first few months of the pandemic, so that's like 2019, that approximately one third of uh, those who attended Christian churches stopped. That was in the early part of the pandemic. And then now that you get out to this end of the pandemic, with um, a lot of churches, maybe most churches already having opened up, it's like, okay, well, how many people are coming back, right? And uh, there's, there's research that people do on this. And I'll just share with you, just FYI, um, at my church down the street, uh, it's also a Chinese church, so our English side has come back at 70 to 80%, is what I was told, and also what I see, because that's what I go to. And then on the Chinese side, it's 30%. Um, and across other churches, it's, it ranges from like 30 to 60, apparently. This is like more in the um, white American evangelical uh, demographics. And then people also look at like, okay, what do the different age ranges uh, prefer? So again, this is not Chinese circles, but like for um, white American evangelicals, it's mostly um, the boomers that want to come back and be in person. And the younger uh, millennials and Gen Z who don't want to come back to in-person gatherings. They, they would prefer, like, the online. So that was kind of interesting because, at least compared to my church, it's like the, it's maybe kind of the reverse um, of, of what we see there. Um, but this is, a, this is a real challenge and a real issue for all of us, and it's not really something that I don't think we can, we can solve. Um, but it does make us think, right? Like, okay, like, you know, before the pandemic, we don't necessarily think about why we gather in person, but then once it gets challenged, then it's like, okay, well, why did we do it in the first place? Well, now that the pandemic has reached this point, um, should we do it? I mean, I'm grateful that we're here, um, and I obviously think that we should. But it's not just about, like, what we think, uh, what one person thinks, um, or even uh, what a whole group of people thinks. I think that if we are um, if we are Christians, and uh, I don't know all of us here, but I'm just going to uh, assume that at least most of us are Christians here, the things that we need to consider are not just um, my preferences and how I feel about it um, and um, what's the most convenient and what's the most practical, even though all of those things are important. I think for the Christian, those those uh, factors are not ultimate. They're important, but they're not the most important. And the reason for that is because as Christians, our first responsibility is always to God and his authoritative word. Right? So sometimes that's going to, the, the word is going to tell us, you know, to consider other people's situations. And that, that's great. But we can't just only look on the human level at, you know, what, what I like, what's convenient for me. And, and those kinds of things. We also need to, we need to first and foremost look at what 
the Bible says and what kind of uh, principles that, uh, that he gives us. And so the kind of the, what we're really after, I think, is, a, is, is, is like, well, what does the Bible say about what the church is? And what does this Bible say about, about church meetings? Uh, what does the Bible say about my responsibility as a Christian with respect to the church and the church meetings in whatever form that they uh, take according to the Bible? We have to figure all that stuff out. So those are, uh, we won't be able to tackle all that, but um, during our short time today, we'll start. So I don't know if you've, I was thinking of this uh, analogy to help you see what we're, what I'm trying to do today and not. I don't know if you guys have ever seen like these open air um, people painting, you know, particular scenic spots and it might be like by the ocean and you, you can kind of watch them. Um, but you usually wouldn't watch them paint the whole thing because they're going to be out there like all day. Uh, and so today I'm not going to even try to paint the whole picture, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to start. And hopefully if you can see how it, it's starting, then you can uh, fill in some of it yourself uh, based, on, uh, based on God's word. All right, so actually we have multiple passages today, and Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 is just the first one. And what all of these passages added together, I think, are going to show is that uh, God intends for his people to be in relationship with one another. And to be in relationship with one another as whole persons, including our physical bodies. And so generally speaking, that is going to encourage us um, to be together uh, in person. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't use online tools. I think we all appreciate online ministry and will expect it to continue. But we at the same time need to maintain uh, an emphasis, I guess, on on whole-person relationships with one another. All right, so let's take a look at our first passage, and it's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. So let me just read it to you. Um, It says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone, when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. And how can one... But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Uh, Ecclesiastes is not a it's, a, it's kind of a deep book. Um, it's a wisdom book in the Old Testament. And it's got this section here that is encouraging um, and really promoting companionship and friendship. And we know today in our modern world that uh, we have a lot of ways to maintain relationships with one another, uh, and that's good, right? So we're all experts on Zoom now, right, or FaceTime or both or plus Google Meets and all the other options that are out there. Um, but sometimes in the Bible, you will find that there are certain aspects of, uh, of friendship and companionship that actually require you to be in the same physical space. Now, obviously, also in the Bible, they didn't they don't talk about Zoom, right? Because it didn't it didn't exist. But even so, they still uh, kind of commend uh, our uh, our relating to one another as whole people, including our bodies. And this is a great example. Uh, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. And then he gives even more reasons. And notice how in verses ten through twelve, all the reasons that he gives have to do with two people that are actually physically together. All right, so if, um, if two of us, me and one of you, 
are, are walking down the road, and it says, if they fall, verse 10. So I guess we both fall, all right? You might think it would talk about one falling, but it says, it says they both fall. Both fall. But when, if they both fall, then they have help. They can help each other um, get up. Now, obviously, um, if, if I'm walking by myself and I'm FaceTiming you, and I fall, <laughs> you, you can't help me uh, get up, um, at least not directly. Verse 11, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? All right, so let's say that it's really cold. I mean, you might have seen in the news the pictures of Ukrainians sleeping in subway stations, right? They're sleeping on the floor. It's probably cold down there. I don't know, but we were probably right to assume that. You know, if, if, they, if, if they're sleeping together, then they're, they, can, they can keep warm. But if it's just one person sleeping in a, in a subway station, um, it's going to be a lot colder. So again, there's a, there's a physical aspect to this. And then again, with verse, verse 12, this is the situation where uh, you encounter some kind of enemy or thief or something like that. Well, if, if a thief encounters me when I'm walking by myself down an alley, uh, they might be able to beat me up and take my stuff. But if one of you are with me, or even better yet, two of you are with me, we have a much better chance. They probably can't take all three of us. Um, so I think Ecclesiastes, in its own sort of, um, uh, sort of wisdom-flavored way, uh, encourages us about uh, the, the um, kind of whole person relationships with one another. And there's a ton of passages in the Bible that are like this once you start looking for them. So the ones that I'm going to share with you today um, aren't, aren't all of them, but they're just the ones that I found. So today's sermon is actually pretty, hopefully pretty simple, uh, but here's another one. All right, so New Testament now, you have someone, we don't know who, who wrote the letter of the Hebrews, and he's writing it to um, these Christians that are facing persecution and that are considering giving up. That is, giving up their faith in Jesus. They're considering, okay, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. That's a real threat. And one of the things he tells them is in this passage right here. So Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, if you notice in verse 25, I didn't mark the verses up here, but the part that I underlined, and some of you might know about this verse, this is a really uh, uh, maybe well-known verse for uh, why churches meet together in the first place. Because he says, let us not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the date draw near. Now, let me also clarify that, you know, right now, at least for us in America, we don't have to worry about the government saying that we can't meet. That's a reality in some other places. I just had a Zoom call with a student I advise in China, and uh, that's she's a different story over there. But for us, we, we, um, we are not restricted by the government right now. That simplifies it for us. And also, we've, we've already, you know, we have vaccines, so that also uh, helps a lot. Um, so looking at a verse like this, it's, it's saying pretty directly, Christians, let's, let's meet together. Let's not neglect that, um, as is the habit of some. And in addition to that, 
it doesn't just give you this command, okay, you know, don't neglect meeting together, but it also gives you reasons for the command. All right, so God is, I guess you could say that he's reasonable in the way that he gives us his instructions. It's not just you do this because I said so, but also because it's good, and let me tell you why. In that last part itself, it, uh, this, uh, in between those two underlines, it says that when we, it basically implies that when we meet together like we are now, that this is a really good um, environment for us to encourage each other. All right? And that's true, right? Uh, I'm encouraged by being with you this morning. Um, I hope that you're encouraged by being with one another. I won't talk about myself being here, but I hope that you're encouraged by being together yourselves and seeing one another. And even thinking back to the time in which we couldn't meet in person, and then we first started coming back, you probably felt that sense of encouragement um, when you first started coming back, I hope. Um, That's one of the uh, great values of of being together uh, in person. Um, Related to that, if you back up earlier into this passage, this whole thing is related to our perseverance or our our endurance as Christians. Um, There's a real threat for these Uh, Christians that are receiving the letter to the Hebrews, that some of them, they might just stop believing in Christ. They might stop being Christians altogether. You know, looking back on some of the research that's been done on on Christians and churches during these last two years, the same threat exists, right? I mean, if one-third of the people stopped going to church during the first few months of the pandemic, and if right now the the attendance level hasn't reverted to what it was before, well, some people are, are, are not sure if they're ever going to come back. Um, and not just that, some are not really sure about their faith at all. And there can be a lot of different reasons for that. But one of the ways in which God helps us to persevere is by giving us each other so that we can encourage each other, so that we can together hold fast to the confession of our hope. That is, hold fast to our faith in Christ together. And so that we can consider one another. Think about how each other are doing. That's verse 24. How we can encourage each other to continue to love one another and love those who don't know Christ yet and to do good works in the name of Christ. And then the not neglecting to meet together is is mixed in with all of that. Another interesting thing about this verse is that it says that in not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. And it says at the very end, all the more as you see the day drawing near. Sometimes you get the the impression that um, technology is going to always lead us to progress. It's always going to lead us to something better. Maybe. But when then you apply it to like a, a, a church situation, someone, some people might say, okay, well, this is the new wave. All right, let's just... You know, everything should just go online, like work, school, church, like everything, or as much as possible. That's, that's progress. That's the future. That's the next step. Well, if that were actually true, then you would, we would meet together in person less, right? Because technology would, you know, would remove the need for, uh, for meeting together like we are now. But what this verse is saying is the exact opposite. It says that we should meet more, all the more, as the day is drawing near. So as Jesus' second coming, that's what that day is referring to, as Jesus' second coming gets closer and closer every single day, what this passage is saying is that we should meet together as much as possible, that we should meet together more, and the the assumption is that because we need it, uh, we need uh, the encouragement and, uh, and, and, and the strength to persevere. 
So at this point, there, there could be some questions that, that, ra- that come up, and maybe you can think of a lot of them. But let me just raise one of them. Well, is a Zoom meeting, wouldn't that kind of satisfy a meeting together? Right? That's a real question, right? Wouldn't it do that? And, of course, again, I'm not talking about the situation where the government restricts us and we have no choice, but in a situation now we're actually, where we actually do uh, my answer to that is that I don't think that it is meeting together in the fullest sense. And here's why. Because the, the original word here, which is Greek, it refers to a gathering or an assembling. Okay, so here's where you have to kind of pay attention to the words that we use. Let me ask you a question. We can do a poll, all right? Just real time. Okay, so Zoom calls their meetings, they call them Zoom meetings. All right, and then Google Meet, they also have meetings. You can join a meeting, you can schedule a meeting. So question, is a Zoom meeting, is it a gathering? Relatedly, is a Google Meet, is it an assembly? All right, so the, the thing I'm raising here is, is a meeting, a Zoom meeting, is it a gathering? Are these two words exactly the same? Is a Zoom meeting, is it an assembly? I'm not, I'm not sure that it is. I mean, how can you have a gathering if nobody gathers? How can you have an assembly if you don't actually assemble? How can you have a congregation if you don't actually congregate? And the, and the questions go on and on. Um, obviously, you know, when, in the Bible, when they talk about meeting and gathering, they're, they're obviously talking about in-person meetings because they didn't have any other choices. But just because they didn't have another choice... That they, they still used words that refer to, they still promoted in-person, uh, in-person gatherings. Um, and you'll see this in, in a lot of other verses. I don't think I listed them. Oh, here I did. So there's more than these, but here's just a quick um, survey here. Paul writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5, he says, When you are gathered in the name of Jesus. Now here's another even more interesting one. It has to do with when they were praying together in Acts 4. Okay, so there, when they had prayed, the place in which they were, uh, were meeting, that place was shaken. Okay, so it was like they're all in this room, one room together. Let's pretend it's this one. And they're praying for, I think, Peter and John to be released or something from prison. And then when they were praying, that one place was shaken. So, I mean, is it possible that you could have a Zoom prayer meeting and, like, everybody's room shakes or something? I guess, all right? But the point of this passage is that they were actually gathered in the same place, and that one place um, uh, uh, shook as a result. Um, You look at the next one. Notice how this one, this gathering, requires them to be together in person. It says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered to break bread. All right, so they, you know, they were... um, that they were together and they shared food together, perhaps the communion. I'll go through some other examples. When you look at the examples of ministry in the Bible, so from the New Testament we can think of some famous people, uh, such as Paul, John, and Peter, they uh, greatly valued uh, their in-person interactions with people. But that doesn't mean that they didn't use other ones. They, They still did, right? So they wrote letters and They probably would have used the other things that we can use now, but they realized, it seems, how some of the in-person aspects, you just can't get rid of them, and you shouldn't try. You can't fully replace them. 
So look at the, the, the things, kind of things that Paul says. Romans 1.11. Very simple, but he's saying to the Roman Christians that he's never met before. He says, I long to see you. He wants to see them. He wants to be with them. Just like we can see each other and be with one another right now. He says stuff like this a lot. So you just look at another one of his books, Philippians 1.8. He writes to another church in Philippi, Roman colony, saying, God is my witness. So he's, he knows this church already. How I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. And later on in Philippians chapter 1, he, he's in prison. He says, I am confident that God is going to release me and I'm going to be with you again. Yet another church, First Thessalonians, he's writing to this church in Greece. And he says about them that you always long to see us just as we long to see you. All right, so there, there's a longing to be together. There's even more examples from Paul when he writes to Timothy. Um, in 2 Timothy 1.4, he says, I long to see you um, that I may be filled with joy. More on joy in a second. Now, so much for Paul. What about John? So maybe uh, these two examples come from 2 John and 3 John. Right, these two really short books in the New Testament. But notice what the Apostle John says at the end of both of these short letters. He says, having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so through paper and ink, but I hope to be with you and speak to you face to face so that our joy may be complete. So at the end of this letter, he says, I have more things that I want to say to you, but I'm not going to write it like I am right now because I want to do it in person. I want to speak with you. I want to be with you. I want to speak with you face to face. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a different, there's certain things that he felt I need to see you in person in order to say that. And, and, and notice how this issue of, uh, the, the joy comes up again, All right? So I, I didn't show you the verse from second Timothy one, four, where Paul basically says the same thing, but this, it seems to be that God is also, uh, uh, encouraging us to meet together for the sake of our own joy. All right. And joy is actually not, um, uh, optional. <laughs> we can't force ourselves to be joyful, but at the same time, the Bible commands us to be joyful in the Lord. Well, what does that look like? Are we supposed to be able to just, you know, sit in our room and just like be smiling all the time? Or like, how, how do you actually experience that joy? Now, certainly there's, there's sometimes that we can be in our own private times of prayer and reading the word and worship and we feel great joy. That's fantastic. That's, that's, that's one way in which God can allow us to experience joy in Christ. But another way, according to these two verses, is that God also gives us joy in Christ when we are together, right? Otherwise, why would John say, I want to be with you and speak to you face to face so that our joy may be complete? So meeting together is, is meant to, and usually uh, will help, at least a little bit, us experience more of the joy that God has for us in Christ. Well, what about Peter? So here's just one example that I, I dug up. Um, this has to do with when God called Peter to go share the gospel with Cornelius. So there's kind of a long story here, but Cornelius was a Gentile Roman centurion. And at that time, not many uh, non-Jews had become Christians yet. But God was leading his people in that way. Now, for the gospel to go from one ethnic group, Jewish people, to Gentile Christians... Uh, is a big deal, and be, especially because there was tension between Jews and Gentiles. 
And so to make a long story short, Peter and Cornelius, they both are led by God in different ways. And Cornelius invites Peter to come over to his house and speak to him and his friends. And so Peter actually comes. And so the tie-in here is that Peter actually comes in person. Well, of course he had to, um, because how else would you do it? But the fact that he came in person was especially significant. Why? Because Gentiles and Jews did not associate. So if Peter doesn't show up, if he doesn't come, if he just say, using their technology, just writes a letter, that doesn't say the same thing. That doesn't show that Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ. So when Peter shows up, that shows that God is accepting Gentiles like Cornelius just in the same way by grace as he is accepting Jews by grace in Christ. And so that's the snippet that I've given to you guys here where Peter is saying this very thing. He's telling Cornelius, you know that um, this is not what Jewish people usually do. But God showed me that I should not call you unclean. And later on, Cornelius responds and says, I called for you and you did well to come. He's grateful that he came to be with him, to be together. So in terms of the unity that we have in Christ, especially across uh, groups that don't normally associate with one another, whether it be because of class or race or otherwise, um, our being together uh, in person is a, is a powerful statement. Now, lastly, we might think of Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus' own ministry, of course, uh, was done on earth. So he doesn't, he didn't, um, you know, just uh, do a Zoom call with us, right? But the word became flesh. That famous line from John 1.14, that's referring to Jesus, God the Son, becoming a human being, being born of the Virgin Mary. He always existed. He was always God, God the Son, but he takes on a human body when he was born of the Virgin, conceived and then born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, he came and walked among us. Um, I, I, would, I trust that the fact that Jesus actually became a man and lived with a real body on this earth so that he could experience the, the difficulty and the pain and the trouble of that is, is encouraging to you as a Christian. That we worship a Savior that didn't just stay up there in heaven where everything is comfortable and nice and glorious, but came down into this uh, dirty and messy and sinful world. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he also, um, he also expresses his desire for, to be with us. So Jesus wants us to be with him. So uh, shortly before he's about to die, he tells his uh, disciples that I'm going to leave, but I'm not abandoning you. And so in this passage, he, he basically tells them that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says it like this. He says, in my father's house, that is my heavenly father's house, there are many rooms. That's where he's going. And if we're not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So I'm not abandoning you. I'm going to prepare for you, prepare a place for you. And then what I'm going to do, this is my favorite part. If I go and get that place ready for you, I'm going to come again and I'm going to take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus' own heart is to be together with us, uh, for us to dwell in the Father's house with him.
Hopefully when you see all these things added together, you can see that uh, God's heart is for um, us to enjoy a meaningful relationship with him and one another as whole persons. And God has created us uh, as not only uh, spiritual beings, kind of like the unseen part of us, you might say it's the spiritual part of us, or you might also add in the emotional part of us, the psychological part of us, just those things that, we don't, that you can't see. That's part of us, but it's not all of us. He has also created our, our physical bodies, the material. Um, and ultimately, he's going to give us uh, new and perfect and eternal bodies as well. And uh, I, the, the good news is that by believing in Christ, God gives us this opportunity, even promise, for our whole person, spirit, soul, and body, to flourish. And as that relates to our relationships, uh, I think it's, uh, our relationships will only fully flourish when we have our, uh, our bodies involved as well. So it's not that we need to... Uh, you may not be a really touchy person, <laughs> but maybe you are. Either way... Uh, I think our being together, it makes a difference in our relationships with one another. Um, and I shared a little bit about that with you like last summer, but uh, I thought about it more this time and kind of taken it in a different, in a different angle. Um, so I hope this is an encouragement for all of us and helping us to understand why we do what we do and what the value is for us to be together. Um, even as we're patient with one another and sensitive to uh, real you know, um, uh, issues with disease around us and, and the government and all those things. But when we have the choice, uh, like we do now, what is it that, that we should seek? Uh, not just for my own good, but also for your good, um, for one another's good. Because uh, sometimes you might think, well, my presence uh, doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, it might make more difference than you think. It might make a difference to somebody else if, if, you, if, you, if you're there. Uh, it could be quite an encouragement to them. And so I want to close with uh, a, a quote from um, a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and, and he talks about this. He says that the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. The believer feels no shame, as though he were still living too much in the flesh, when he yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. And I think he bases that on the passages, some of the passages that we just saw. Right? Paul was a mature Christian, yet he says, I long to see you, Timothy. Timothy, come quickly. Come be with me. And that's because God has created us as, as physical beings that relate to one another physically um, as well. Uh, let's close in prayer and give thanks to the Lord. <clears throat> Father, we thank you um, for being with us during these uh, confusing and, and difficult and stressful times over the last couple years. And we ask that you would continue to lead us forward. Uh, we pray that um, with the new questions and the new challenges that come up when the world goes through a pandemic crisis, you would help us to learn new things from your word that relate to these questions about who we are as whole persons with physical bodies that you have created very good. And Father, we pray uh, that you would um, uh, 
um, cause uh, each of us uh, to grow in Christ and uh, your church and other churches um, to grow and to recover and to be strong. And for those that, um, for various reasons, some of them probably perfectly legitimate, are still not back with us, we, we pray that you would remember them and to bring them back to churches um, soon, Lord, for their good and also for ours. And uh, we thank you for your word that uh, gives us light and guidance and truth uh, in the midst of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen.